Welcome back to Production Music Demystified with Media Tracks Music, a microcast of Music Works. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Andrew Potterton, a composer with vast experience in writing for audiovisual projects. In this episode, we will discuss the tricks and tips in writing to sync. And before we join Andrew, here is an advert from our sponsor. Music Works is sponsored by the Musicians' Union. I'm a member of the Musicians' Union. It's the trade union for musicians living and or working in the UK. And it's a community of 32,000 members working to protect musicians' rights and campaigning for a fairer industry. As well as campaigning to fix streaming and keep musicians working in the EU post-Brexit, the union collectively bargains for musicians working in orchestras and theatres and sets minimum recommended rates for freelance musicians working in other sectors. Its expert staff provide contract advice, legal advice and assistance, and a range of benefits and services to help musicians in every aspect of their work. Be part of something bigger and get the recognition you deserve. Join now at the MU.org. Hi, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Um, so today we're talking to Andrew Potterton, um, who is a composer, a music creator and lecturer at Leeds Conservatoire. And our topic today is writing for sync, the ins and outs, tips and tricks, do's and don'ts. So yeah, that's what we're here to talk about today. So let's kick off. So let's start with what writing for sync actually is and how, how it's different from, from other types of writing. Sure. Yeah. So in writing music for sync, I suppose it's it's a strange it's a strange quandary because in some respects, you know, commercial music gets used. So a chart track or something like that gets used in TV and on ads and in films. I mean, the latest Kate Bush, Stranger Things uh, collaboration, I suppose, would be a really great example of that. Where people think, oh, that's so amazing! That piece of music is in that piece of media and it gives it this new life and context and all the rest of it and so there is there is that history of you know big pieces of commercial music getting used and almost having a new identity in media which is fantastic when that happens but obviously there's a huge amount of media content made every day uh, and you know now more than ever with social media platforms with video platforms like TikTok and YouTube um, creation that's going on so much every single day. There is a huge amount of music that's needed functionally to sit around media. So I guess music that's specifically written for sync has this, this slight caveat that it's music that needs to work well in whatever way that means for that variety of media that's been made all the time. Uh, and there's a huge variety of genres that are needed. And there's, a, there's almost some specific genres that are almost, you know, fit in that world itself that aren't really in commercial music genres. Um, but essentially every sort of music you can imagine and sound effects and sort of sound design um, are potentially going to be available for sync projects um, around the world. And there's more and more of it getting made every day great um and so what what do you have to consider when if you're thinking you know how how am i going to go about creating this music what where do you start 
Yes, I mean, that's a really good point. And, you know, people say, you know, I, I, <laughs> there's some bugbears of, of certain people that say, you know, a composer sent me some music and they say, oh, this is really syncable. Like they think it's really syncable and the and the music supervisor or the music publisher might say, well, I'll tell you whether I think it's syncable or not. You know, that's like a very, yeah. sort of, it's a very interesting <laughs> term because that means, different, again, that means different things to different people. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think, I think a, a, top, a sort of general top tip, as with a lot of music making is be a current music fan you know, so listen to all the music that's out at the moment and doing what it does commercially in all the, you know, as broadly as possible. Um, also, and bear this in mind, is that there's trends from film music and perhaps TV music as well that are slightly different to what's going on commercially, but again, really, really important. What's the sound design things? Uh, what are the genre things that are very popular in trailers or in film um and i mean recently i had a conversation yesterday with a group of composers on a call with a publisher in the states um and they were talking about the dune trailer and that 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 dune trailer has this i mean it's very very experimental the sound in that is very strange it's not traditional it's a mixture of a few different sorts of things and yet it's one of the most searched for um you know keywords on the one particular uh music publishers website in the states for people that are looking for trailer sounds so and i mean guilty as charged i haven't actually watched the june the new june movie and i know it's Hans zimmer but you know it's like being up to date with that kind of stuff helps with what people are looking for on the end of what, how people want to you know use music and and, and put it into a, a project oh that's interesting so because you initially mentioned um kind of being up to date by like just list by listening and immersing yourself in what's going on and what and so on but are there other ways to to work out what's popular i mean obviously you've mentioned talking to um to a library what, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating because obviously there's there's all these searches that go on for people that, that jump onto a site and are looking for a particular type of music. And obviously the people working in those companies know what those searches are and what the most popular searches for, you know, are. And it varies from time, time of year and all that sort of thing. But that's a really interesting insight if you can talk to anybody that knows any of that kind of information. And there are, I mean, there are music industry you know, websites and places where these discussions happen. I do think the strangest things is such an interesting, like current conversation that it sort of made this track have a completely new sort of lease of life and that the original, you know, writer is still available to comment. And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, Kate Bush has talked about that because, you know, she's even, she's commented about it because she very rarely allows her music to be used in sync. It's a bit like the Beatles music. You don't hear the Beatles music all over the place all the time. Yeah. Which is kind of a nice thing, I think. And when you do, if there is a Beatles sync, it will be like a big deal and it would be the right project for that. Yeah. Uh, the Stranger and, Things and... thing is really is really highlighted. So that's interesting to hear about it from the, the point of view of the writer being um, careful about what they allow the... The music to be synced to but it all it also it's been a great um for me it's been lovely to get a real appreciation for the importance of music on screen because it is 
it is absolutely everything but it's it's relatively low appreciation sometimes i think or like not very not very well noticed a lot of the time the impact that the music can actually have yeah oh so much i mean one i mean a top tip if you were a younger composer i would take one episode of strange things and sit down and write notes about the music just from yeah. one episode and there are probably 30 or 40 different pieces of music which they call cues sometimes there are at least 30 or 40 cues probably in one or maybe 40 or 50 in a in an episode and they're all perfect for that scene they all yeah. add something they're all of an era they're all a certain sound palette i mean it's a very specific set of sounds and yeah, oh yeah. i mean i and i love it but it, but there's but you could write a little you know write up a little essay of notes about each one. What's it doing? How long is it? Why does it work? Um, because, you know, that's really important. And I think your compositional skills are going to be tested to try and, you know, fit a piece of music into one of those scenes. Um, yeah. I mean, a general tip for stuff is all that music sounds great. It's mixed really well. It's all mastered in a lovely way. Um, and I suppose, you know, keep it again, keeping up to date with all the sort of current techniques. I mean, a lot of that stuff, it sounds 80s, but it's probably using, um, you know, digital synthesis to create a retro sound of the 80s. Um, you know, and that as a challenge is, is, is interesting. I mean, I've I've done a little bit of music in that in that style, but I wouldn't say I was I was a master of it at all. But. I mean, a general tip is kind of have all the latest tools, know all the latest production techniques around mixing, processing, styles, drum programming, you know, based, as I say, based from commercial music, because you're often having a nod to what's called what's popular commercially, but also in the TV and film genres as well. And try and you know do the Hans Zimmer thing, which is not easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of people trying to do that, but even and even his style is a bit of a fusion of, I would say, you know, traditional film score music, classical, uh, you know, uh, and synthesis and kind of popular music stuff mm -hmm. with electronic sounds as well. So, yeah, interesting. Oh, it's, a, it's quite quite um, quite exciting to think about getting really stuck into an episode or something like that, <laughs> like really yeah, analysing you know, it like that. that, that. that the, you know, and there are great competitions. There's um there's a wonderful event up in Sheffield called Sensoria, which I mean I'm not doing a big plug for other other uh, film and music conferences are available, but Sensoria <laughs> is great. A lovely team of people, and they do this competition every um, every year, and they they put out a usually a trailer um, for a film and they'll have a version with without the audio. They might have just um, a dialogue version maybe or they might have just the film um, as, as, as without any audio on and then they might have the dialogue track as an audio file as well that you can use if you wanted to um, mix that together. And then they let people, you know, compose and have a little go at, at doing their thing on um, a minute and a half, you know, trailer uh, film uh, uh, and and it's usually for something that's coming out it's usually that somebody in the competition or around sensory is involved with um and then you get a little panel giving some feedback and stuff and just having a go at those sort of competitions and um projects without music on is is great and you see all the different compositional approaches when you hear the you know the finalists you're like ah, oh, they went that direction with it ah, oh, they tried this with it and this didn't work as well as this one and there are some, I mean, we could have debates about what's 
good and what's bad in film, certain colleagues of mine who teach film music would say there are right and wrong things you can do with music in a on on a picture. I would be a bit more subjective about that, but there are definitely um, different approaches that will grab attention for people that are um, going to potentially, you know, put your music onto a picture, which is a sync. That's what that's what sync means: synchronizing the the music onto the picture, and then that's potentially generating some money for for everybody and creating, you know, success for the project. So. Mm. Um, I would say there are some, you know, there are some guides to it. And you, when you watch people doing it very well and hear people doing it very well, um, there are things you can emulate. Yeah, learning about what, what works and what you like and what speaks to you, I suppose, and what, what speaks to uh, the people that use it as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, yesterday we had the conversation, it was quite interesting, amongst these composers about, um, and, I, you know, and I don't know how much this will resonate with with our listeners but if you're composing and you're starting out um one of the points that they made was the people that are really expert in you know picking music for trailers or picking music for film or even a tv show they've heard all of the libraries of sounds that people have like they know what these things sound like yeah. when it's a stock sample or whether it's a you know a particular synth and what they were asking for in this project they were saying we want unique sounds we want people to make sound design that hasn't been heard before they gave that june example of saying that sound is so odd that you've never heard it it's not on a you know on a on a vst plugin from from a big well-known uh company that you know lots of people have it was something created and and you know thought of very organically by somebody as an individual. And they, yeah. they were asking for that. They were saying, can you please bring your own unique touch and style to like this particular project within a format that works for trailers and there is a certain structural um, boundary, but the the actual elements within that, they were saying people can tell if you've just thrown some bits together from, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't wanna disparage any company or anything, but you know, some logic, loops or something that a lot of people have access to there'll be a lot of people doing that so being being as close to you as you can as a as a composer and with your own creative ear um that will benefit you in the long run mm, absolutely so we're kind of coming into talking about how to put your own mark onto something so obviously sort of like phase one if we're starting from scratch is to get a sense of what's going on already what you like what works what's popular and then it's about working out what you're bringing to it um yeah. by the sounds of it i just wanted to ask though um sort of as a lead into that can you um in case there's anyone listening who doesn't really know about the libraries of sat the the sort of sample libraries and things like that can you sort of explain um you know what that is how people use it and then how you would well how you would go about creating your own sounds i'm sure there's a million ways but you know the the sort of technical yeah. thread of, of what you've just said okay all oh, right oh we'll get down a rabbit hole there talking about music technology and music production but yeah i mean <laughs> obviously within the within the software that you might make music from these days um and that you might mix music with um there are you know banks of sounds that you could use that are kind of already there in the software or very easy to access or there are there are subscription companies again i'm not saying anything bad about any of these companies they're all great but there's companies like splice 
um, where you can have a subscription per month, you can pay per month, then you can download a certain number of sounds every month. Um, and if you're using those in your project, which can sound great and can make great music, there will also be thousands of other producers around the world also doing that. It's very easy to do that. I think Simon mentioned in one of your earlier microcasts um, that you know when he started out in the business, people didn't have home studios and you had to go to a co commercial studio to even mix and record your music. So I mean, now the tools that people have that are fairly cheap, you know, online um, sites where you can download lots of sounds and use them without any sort of, without any extra fees, they're royalty free as they're called, um, and they're loops or sounds that everyone has access to. If you just throw those together into a project, um and set and then and you know and mix that and send that off to a publisher it might sound great you know lots of other people will will also be doing that and you will sound a lot like a lot of other people's music so to perhaps um i guess master your craft on your instrument or to maybe make some musical instruments of your own or really dive into sound synthesis or, or sampling in a in a really deep way will help you create a you know, unique palette of sounds for you. Um, and I, I suppose also just being quite brave about, like I've said, listening and research is important, but not trying to copy. We, nobody wants to sound alike exactly. That's not, that could get you into legal trouble and that's not a great creative approach for you as an artist to just copy a you know another big name exactly um because yeah you could get into legal hot water for that so i suppose just trying your own things and trusting your own ear with stuff in in collaboration with a um a publisher or, or someone that's that's listening you know an anr or somebody that's listening on the other side of the industry to it mm. those would be would be my would be my tips but I think I think after a while, if you work with composers, sort of, because I'm also as a curator of music, I'm also listening to new composers, younger composers sending stuff. And after a while, I can get a sense of their sound. I kind of I, I like what they're doing, and I want them to just do their thing really, yeah. and emphasize that in whatever genre or tempo or you know mood. Absolutely, and you can't get that if people are trying to emulate other things. You they lose that sense of um your own individuality and voice don't you yeah yeah let's move on to industry requirements and again more practical tips from you i'm guessing yeah i mean it's, <laughs> yeah. A, it's a good question and some people say you know you know what what they say what format should i send you music or how do you want the music delivered um and that is often called deliverables in mm. in 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 the industry um and every company will, well, the answer is every company will have its own set of requirements technically. So for example, even this week, I sent some audio files to one company as 44.1 24-bit audio files. I've sent some other files to a different company as 48K 24-bit audio files, et cetera, et cetera. And some require shorter edits, uh, Usually that would require a 30 second or a 60 second version, which can be dropped yeah. straight into a, a, a film project. Um, some also like 15 second edits, some want very short versions, some want 
you know, a, a, maybe an A, a B and a C version of the main full length track. So you might even try a couple of different approaches to a melody or a composition with much less main melody uh, to allow more space and stuff for maybe a voiceover or something that might happen in that in that video. Um, so there are various technical requirements, really, or kind of industry requirements, I suppose, is the answer. And follow the guidance to the letter, please, is this kind of the other main thing. Yeah. If you think about sending music to people, send it in the way they want. I generally don't cold send music to people. What I will do when I've made a contact with a new person in, in the music industry or media industry is to say, how would you like me to send you music? I don't assume that they have Dropbox or SoundCloud or at least, you know, want to listen on Spotify or have Disco yeah. or any of these other platforms. I will ask them how they want it. And then I will do my best to deliver it that way um, uh, in the, you know, in, in the way they want. If it's, if it's a stream, but they can't download that. So like if I send them my Spotify links, which again, people do this all the time. Here's my Spotify. And they send that. That's great. But, there's no metadata on that. They can't download that file. They can't put that into a project straight away. And they're going to have to come back to me and find out all the other information about yeah. some music. So it just, just boils down to understanding how people work, doesn't it? And um, what, so would you say that the, because you've mentioned that different um, people would have different requirements. Is there like a basic list of, you might, you know, you're definitely going to need like a one minute, a 30 second or whatever, or is it just simply a case of, being really across whoever it is that you're sending the music to and what they need yeah i mean it a kind of vague answer is the highest quality audio possible is usually what people, nobody wants a demo nobody yeah. wants anything you know as an mp3 low quality so high quality audio you know generally the more the more edits the better so the more versions of a song that there are the more likely one of those pieces fits exactly right in a project. So, I mean, don't you don't have to go, to, but all and also they all always these days they will require the audio stems. And again, as a technical term, what does that mean? Those are the parts of a piece of music that are grouped into the different instrument parts. So, if it's a pop song with vocals in, there'll be a vocal stem which will just include all the vocal parts. There will be drums usually, there will be bass usually, there will be synthesizers usually, and there might be effects. So you might have a stem for vocals, drums, bass, synths, and effects. Those stems are a piece of audio that's the entire duration of the piece of composition that an editor can drop into a project. And if he layers all of them up, it will sound exactly like the main version that you've sent as a stereo file. Mm. Um, and those stems are sort of industry standard now that people want those. So again, if you've got a project, make sure you can export those stems, save them. They're always uh, useful. And there's some debate about whether somebody's starting to make another composition out of those stems or how kind of that, how comfortable people feel about giving those stems for a project. But I think that's now the expectation of the industry that we, that we deliver those. So be ready to do that if you're, um working in this business or you're starting out in this business brilliant thank you that's very informative i've never heard stems explained so clearly um, <laughs> well okay great so let's um 
round off then with just sort of like a roundup really what what are your basic sort of top tips uh so yeah so do's and don'ts i suppose are like length like lengths and duration they usually like a pop song so they could be three minutes ish but usually production music isn't you know 10 minutes long it's not some experimental pink floyd song usually um although you might they you know an experimental pink floyd song might have been used in a sync they probably cut bits bits out um so usually a sort of two and a half to three and a half minute uh composition is, is is good enough um usually if there's any sort of swearing or naughty words in there that's got to be clearly um explained and an explicit warning is given because usually then it's not usable in radio use or daytime tv and things like that so um that's important to mention um obviously the highest sort of quality stuff that you can give like like I, like I mentioned earlier people don't want demos people don't have time to sort of say oh this sounds like a good idea but could you develop it into something in six months time what they want is a finished mastered baked perfect you know track that is doing exactly what they need that they can use in in their um uh you know projects and and to sync and i think for you as a composer the sort of key working requirements are really good communication because you'll get lots of back and forth it's not like composing in a bubble where you're like doing this thing on your own you're going to always be going back and forth with another person who's making some you know comments don't take it as criticism be be flexible about that communication i think that's really key um they may not like a particular sound or a particular moment in the song you might really like it and be really attached to it but i think you need to be willing to be open and flexible about where that project goes um obviously keep the quality as high as you can um with everything that you deliver you know attention to details are really important you might have just missed a little click or a pop somewhere and guaranteed somebody will hear that and will find that for you and say can you resend this stuff heard a pop or a click somewhere so check all your files do what you know back everything up all the usual sort of management stuff of a project it's really again talking about stems i've been asked for stems from music that i've written maybe eight years ago recently and i had to dig through a ton of hard drives and like go back to you and i didn't have i hadn't originally made those stems so I just had a bounce and I had to go all the way back and like dig through every and, and, and go to the original project. Luckily, I could open it up again and I could do all of that work and send this stuff to somebody from nearly a decade ago. Um, I was lucky, but they hopefully that got used, you know, so it yeah. was worth, worth the effort really backs up in the episode that Simon did about um about kind of getting hired essentially he talked a lot about the need for basically for like brilliant admin and organization like and, and having every all of your like systems for storing things and sending things and so on and so forth really um really well set up and organized it sounds, yeah. sounds very important so that's really important and you know editing yeah. things so if they say they want a 30 second version and I have this with younger composers as a curator if you send me something that's 34 seconds long, that's not what I asked for. No. <laughs> and that won't work. You know, you can't, the, ad, the ad on YouTube is 30 seconds. So that 34-second yeah. piece isn't going to fit. So, you know, um, 
Yeah, four seconds is a very long time. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and that's challenging creatively. You know, musically, it that's is, challenging yeah. to get it to hit on on the right at the right moments. But that's all part of the job, and you know, you should enjoy that and take that on as a challenge. And it is, it is. For I find it really fun to do, uh, and I like some of those sort of challenges myself now. Um, and around, you know, doing a genre that I don't always do or getting a brief that's an interesting hybrid genre. I got asked to do some Japanese trap recently, which is so interesting. It was like Japanese music, but with like contemporary beats. And like, that's not, I've never thought about doing that on my own without that brief and without that external, you know, label or publisher asking me to do that. I wouldn't have done that for a few weeks. And that was a really great challenge. And I, I you know, I've made something new out of that, tried to have my own stamp on it and got a few pieces of music out there um, that was along that along that um, route. But there's all sorts of those sort of hybrid uh, sounds out there that, that are requested that really stretch you as a composer. Fabulous. Where can we hear your music, Andrew? So, oh, so uh, I have music on Universal production music and I have music out um, on a few different publishers on the BMG production music website. I suppose those are the biggest, biggest two. Um, and with media tracks, of course, in the UK, who are uh, partnered with Five Alarm in the US and with Sonaton in Germany. Um, so I have a range of great publisher partners who, you know, without which none of this is possible. Sort of, I you know have to add that they do a really sterling job and. Um, you know, are themselves part of the creative process and, you know, great business people and marketing uh, engines for for my career, which, you know, I, again, as a composer, my skill set is in the music side and the creative side. I don't have amazing marketing skills uh, for pushing myself out there and publishers do a great job of raising everyone's profiles too, which very that's a very important side to things. Absolutely. So it's always worth having the people who are good at creating the music, creating the music, and the people who are good at marketing it, marketing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even just like the artwork, you know, seeing oh, great yeah. artwork, it does make a difference. Yeah. Um, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm yeah. very involved with them. Absolutely. And it's that, I mean, from what you said, a real takeaway from this for me has been the important, the, the kind of amount of um, feedback and the amount of sort of creative support maybe that you do get from working with the uh, with publishers and with the people who are effectively going to promote the music um yeah. Yeah. that's been a big part of what you've said about um how to make decisions about what to write essentially yeah definitely yeah it's very collaborative and, and you know i think sort of your own individual skills are important and perhaps your network is also important if you can bring in a brass player or a strings player or a harpist or something um and, and you know those people then that might get that project finished and, and signed off for you. So kind of, you know, a tip, another tip would be make lots of friends, have lots of connections with music, be, you know, be in different bands and ensembles and stuff like that. So that, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of, if you can't do something, you do know somebody that could. Um, yeah. and, and, and to stay up to date with all of your, um, technical skills, as I say, in the composition world of knowing all the, the latest tools and techniques and, and hearing all the latest sounds and, you know, mm. beginning to um, be able to um, put your spin on that. Brilliant. Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much for this. It's been really good to chat. 
Um, yeah, definitely. Well, I could still. Yeah. 